And I do um, want to share just a, a word with you this morning. And we've been doing a countdown to Pentecost series, and we've been looking at um, Acts chapter one through uh, chapters six. And but this morning I'm going to stray away from Acts just a little bit, and um, just share a few things that God's been laying on my heart during this time. And you know, the way it's it's important to know the Lord because there's times where God and the devil are riding on the same storm, and so this pandemic crisis uh, God's been in this storm and but the devil has also been trying to wreak havoc in the midst of the storm and if you don't know the Lord intimately then uh, you can accuse the Lord of doing things that the devil's doing and vice versa and so um, so it's important to to know the Lord to be able to discern what he is doing even in the midst of troubling times and chaos, confusion, those types of things. And that's, you know, when it talks about God is not the God of confusion, but of order, that's what it's talking about. Uh, Jesus came to give us understanding. He came to give us clarity. He came to, to help us have peace. And even when you don't understand everything that's going on around you, peace comes from knowing the one uh, that is peace, the Prince of Peace. And so the Lord's been doing a lot of really, really good stuff during this time, during this pandemic. It's been a, an opportunity for a lot of people to, to have a reset, to have a Sabbath, to um, discover who, the, who God is for them as provider, as protector. And, but the, the enemy's also been trying to wreak havoc as well, and so the devil has a three-fold agenda. He's coming to kill, he's coming to steal, and he's come to destroy. But Jesus says that he has come to give life and to and to give it abundantly. And so, where there's life and where there's peace, where there's joy, that's where you're going to find Jesus. And um, and so, you know, with this virus, there's. There's more evidence coming out every day that perhaps this thing was manufactured by man. And, and so you have, there's lots of conspiracy theories out there. There's lots of, and even maybe convincing evidence. But at the same time, the Lord tells us to not go after these conspiracies. And so in Isaiah chapter eight, verses 12 through 13, he says, you're not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a, cons a conspiracy. And you're not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you shall regard as holy. And he shall be your fear and he shall be your dread. So a lot of times when if you go down the rabbit holes of conspiracy theories, what it breeds is fear. And it says you're not to fear they're, they're, they, you know, so paint this picture in your mind of people saying, that's a conspiracy, it's a conspiracy. And the Lord says, 
when you start going down that hole, you're you're not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. And and it says it's the Lord of hosts, which means the God of the angel armies, the warrior God. Anytime you you see the Lord of hosts, it means the warrior God. It's him who you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear. And he shall be your dread. So you're not to fear even when it looks like the wicked's schemes are working out and playing out the way they want it to. Uh, it's, you're not even to fear that. And I want to I want to talk about that a little bit later, but I want to talk about the fear of the Lord just being our refuge and our fortress. And so Psalm 34, verses 7 through 10, it says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him, there is no want. There is no lack. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. The strongest of the strong will lack and suffer hunger. But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. So you fear the Lord, you seek the Lord, and you will not be in want of any good thing. Psalm 25, verse 14 says, The secret, intimate counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. And what he means by make, he will make them know his covenant is that when you fear the Lord, and you are seeking the Lord, and he's revealing his secret, intimate counsel over your tent, then he's going to reveal the depths of the riches of his covenant with you. So he, he'll reveal covenant promises to you. He'll reveal covenant blessings to you. But you can't get revelation and understanding into what the covenant that God's made with you through the, the blood of Jesus. If we're not seeking his face, if we're not spending time in his presence. And hopefully this time for some of you, I know for some people their workloads increased. But I think for a lot of people, their workload has decreased in some ways, or at least they've had a little more margin. And so I hope that um, this has just been a good time to uh, reconnect with the Lord. If it's been if it's been a while since you've connected with him or just to, to, to go deeper with the Lord. And so I've been thankful to the Lord for that. Um, you know, during this time that I've, I've had some extra time to spend with him. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, Just as a father has compassion on, on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And I love this because this is, again, painting a picture that the fear of the Lord is not separate from his fatherly love. And I, I, I love my dad because I always knew that he loved me and supported me. And I also... When my dad said to do something, I, I would do it because I respected my dad. I respected his authority, and I came under his protection and his and his blessing when I uh, did respect his authority. And so, it's uh, it's the same with the Lord when we recognize, hey, you're God, I'm not. You know what's right and wrong. I don't know what's right and wrong. When you come under that, then under that basis of like 
I am, I'm just, I'm not you. That's what it means to fear the Lord is to have that humble attitude of like, I'm not God. I don't know what's right and wrong. I need you. I need you, Lord. When we, when we come to the Lord with that and he, it allows for his compassion. It allows for his tender mercies to be experienced in our life. We experience his fatherly guidance in our life. Um, but we have the first thing we have to recognize is that we need the father, just like the prodigal son did. When he said, when he came to his senses and he came back and, and in my mind, what would be in some fear and trembling because he had asked his father to drop dead. And so when we come back to the father's house, understanding that, you know, we don't deserve anything that God's given us, but, but God, we come back to his house and he, he reinstates us into that position of being a son with the robe, the ring and the sandals. And so the fear of the Lord and experiencing God's compassion are not separate from one another. And I've, I thought about, you know, the saints in Hebrews 11. And I, I want this to be the passion and the drive in our hearts. You know, Hebrews 11 is the, it's the chapter of the saints that came before us who were faithful. And so many of them had said that they resolved to believe God and that they never saw in this life the promises that they were hoping for fulfilled, but yet they remained faithful to God. Abraham was promised that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, and all he saw was two generations beyond him. Isaac, Jacob, David, all the same way. They all were given promises that were way beyond their lifespan. And some of the promises that God gives us will be fulfilled in our children. And but they resolved in their heart. There's prophets that were beheaded, prophets that were like Jeremiah, that were cast into the cisterns, Ezekiel, who were mocked. And but they all believed the Lord despite all their circumstances around them. And so I, I have prayed that in the Lord as I go, I want to, I want to be like these saints that went before us that resolve to believe you no matter what. And then you have uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who did not bow the knee to the most powerful dictator of that day, Nebuchadnezzar. They would not bow down to the statue that Nebuchadnezzar erected. And said Nebuchadnezzar was angry and furious. And so they're standing before the probably a demonic fury that was being unleashed from Nebuchadnezzar. And in Daniel chapter 3, they say, and so there, the, the threat was, if you don't bow down to this statue, you'll be thrown into a fiery furnace. And they responded and they said, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O King. And there's, there's telling Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the world, the ruler of the known world, 
God's bigger than you. He is the king. In verse 18, they say, But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And so those three men were saying, God is able to save us even from the fire. But even if he doesn't, that doesn't matter to us. We're willing to die for our God. We're willing to die for the one who loves us. And so it reminds me of those saints in Hebrews 11. That they had resolved in their hearts to not bow to anyone else other than the Lord. And I just pray that you have a conversation with the Lord about those same things. That you tell the Lord, Lord, by your grace, may I never bow at the knee to anyone else other than you. So God's going to have his way, and we must just keep believing that. And so I'm thankful that for good reports, you know, that have come out of our state about the, the COVID-19 cases um, not spiking and even decreasing on some days since the governor's lifted the restrictions. I, I thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord that I do believe that the tide is turning on this virus in our nation and the nations of the world. But we have to keep praying. As we see things let up, our, our natural inclination is to, is to let up along with the circumstances. But let's press in and keep not just getting deliverance, but seeing the Lord occupy the space that occupy the vacuums. And so we're not only... Let's not only get deliverance out of Egypt, but let's occupy the promised land, so to speak. And so, you know, as we, you know, re read the world, uh, the, the news that's going on in the world, and we read about world leaders are doing, people in the marketplace, all kinds of things are out there. We have so much information, it's dizzying. And so I... It sometimes feels like the enemies of God are having their way. Psalm 37 talks a bit about this. <laughs> you know, David's like, why do the wicked prosper? Why do they get their way? And so some of the nefarious schemes and plans of the devil looks like they're coming forth without much resistance. But I want to read these scriptures to you to, to remind us of who the Lord is for us. So Psalm 33, verses 10 through 12, it says, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I pray that for our nation. That the, that the America, the United States of America would say that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Then you go to Proverbs, or excuse me, Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 10. It says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. 
I am the Lord, and there is and there is no other. Just say that right now. Just say, you are the Lord, and there is no other. He says, I am God, and there is none like me. Say, you are God, and there is none like you. I make known the beginning from the end, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I'll do all that I please. Proverbs 21, verse 30 says, There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. And then Psalm chapter 2, one of my favorites about the sovereignty of God. It says, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsels together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, and the Lord holds them in derision. And so there's there's rebellion in the, in the earth against the Lord and his and his lordship. And rulers of the earth, people in in high places, people with power and influence tend to think that they they can be God sometimes. And so they say, let us burst, let us tear apart as the shackles that God tries to put on us. And so they they dismiss the idea of God and they assume that they are God, just like what we read in the Bible. There's nothing new that's under the sun. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was a God. Pharaoh thought he was a God. But they're not. And, and, and so you have people today that fall under that same influence, thinking that they're God. But I'm just here to tell you, the Lord, his, his word says, they try to set their, their counsel against me and the Lord he who sits in the heavens laughs. And so even this week, I've, I've taught on this many times before, sometimes the best intercession is just to laugh because you're agreeing with the Lord and what he says about the, those that take counsel against him. You just laugh. Just laugh when everything seems like it's stacking up against, against you. And then lastly, I just, I keep hearing the Lord say, restore the fortunes. And I believe that this is a, uh, a prophetic word and, and that as we come out of this, God's people, those who, who fear the Lord, those who give him first place in their lives in all things, that there is going to be a, a mighty restoration of their fortunes. Everything that was trying, that was stolen uh, or destroyed anything that the locusts have eaten, there's going to be a mighty restoration. And so in Ezekiel chapter 39, starting in verse 25, it says, Therefore says the Lord God, Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. They will forget their disgrace and all their treachery which they perpetrated against me. When they, live secure, when they live securely on their own with no one to make them afraid. When I bring them back from the peoples and gather them from the lands of their enemies, then I shall be sanctified through them in the sight of many nations. And Ezekiel is prophesying this in Babylon while they were in captivity. They had been uh, defeated by Babylon, exported 
from Israel to what is Babylon, modern day Iraq. And here's Ezekiel prophesying in Babylon about being restored while they're in captivity, while they're in jail, so to speak. Then they will know that I am the Lord their God because I made them go into exile among the nations and then gathered them again to their own land. And I'll leave none of them there any longer. I will not hide my face from them any longer, for I will have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the Lord. So part of this restoration of fortunes, I believe, is God pouring out his spirit again upon the church. And, and there's going to, and the spirit of God is rest, restores all things and what's make, makes things new. Think about it. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you were dead on the inside. But when the Holy Spirit came, he made, he regenerated you and made you new. And that's what second Corinthians five talks about. It says that we are now new creations in Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so we've been made new. And so God, the beautiful thing about God is that everything can be wiped out. Everything can be stolen, destroyed, and he can make all things new because he's the creator. And so, but it comes with the pouring out of his spirit. It comes with us asking for God to be, to pour out his spirit among us. And so God, he says, I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and I will have mercy on the whole house of Israel and I will be jealous for my holy name. And so I do think that God's giving us a warning in the midst of the promise of restoration is that when he pours out his spirit, there's going to come with it a jealousy for his, for his name. And it's, it's just like what we saw in Acts where you had the greatest recorded revival coming at, at Pentecost in the book of Acts which I believe there's even a greater one coming. I believe it's in the scriptures that promises a greater outpouring of the spirit before the return of Jesus. But even in the midst of that, you had Ananias and Sapphira who lied to Peter and the Holy Spirit and who died as a result of their lying. And it was because the pouring out of God's spirit is there's, there comes an accountability and a responsibility with that and a purity of heart that comes to steward that. And that's why God says he put, you know, John the Baptist said, there's one who comes after me who's not going to baptize with water, but with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It comes together. The pouring out, out of God's spirit and his fire come together. They're not in separate, in separate they're not separated. And so, it talks about love in, in Song of Songs, chapter 8, being as strong as jealousy. And so it says, put me as a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy is, is as severe, severe as the grave, and it flashes, it flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, nor will rivers overflow it. If a man will give all the riches of his house for love, it would be utterly despised. There is nothing of greater value than the love of God and the fire of his love. There's nothing more valuable or more precious in this world. And then in Malachi, I'll leave you with this scripture, Malachi chapter three. It says, behold, I'm going to send my messenger 
and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. That's the church and that's me and you. Individually, we're temples of God, as we've been saying these past few weeks. And as the church is a corporate body with the temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming. Say that, behold, he is coming. Behold, he is coming. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi, that's me and you, and refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings and righteousness. And so what he's saying here is that there's coming with the outpouring of God's spirit and of his fire, consecrated vessels that not, they're going to offer to the Lord offerings and righteousness, not lip service, not double mindedness, not hypocrisy. It says that the wisdom that's from above, it says it's without hypocrisy. And so there's coming a, a, a people that are being prepared for God. They're going to, they're going to live without hypocrisy without double-mindedness and with purity of devotion to the Lord. And one of the main arguments or criticisms of the church is the hypocrisy that's in the church. And the fact is everybody's hypocrites, whether you're Christian or not. We just got to be healed from it. And so through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can be healed of our hypocrisy. We can be healed of our Phariseeism. We can be healed of our, our religious ways where we just say things with our lips and do another thing in our actions. And so the Lord's coming. He's coming to restore our fortunes, but he's coming with his spirit and with fire. And as your pastor, I want us to be ready. I want us to be ready for the Lord because it's going to be um, a beautiful day. It says this messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. We delight in the Lord. And he loves us and we love him. That he is coming. And it's going to be a great and terrible day. As Joel said, great for us who believe and terrible for those that don't believe. And I, you know, I've been praying about just these, um, you know, I pray about what the, what, to share to you guys every week. I ask, I, I want the word of the Lord. And, you know, there's times where there's so much I feel like I need to, to try to inform our church on that it can be overwhelming. And uh, I was turning in one of my old journals and I just happened, and I just happened to come across uh, this journal entry where I quoted Roland Baker and if you know, Roland Baker is, is the husband of Heidi Baker, Iris Ministries. And Roland Baker said, there's two things I'm looking for when someone preaches. One is preaching the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And second is a passion for lost souls. And it's really, that's what it boils down to. When you know the Lord, he's going to guide you through the desert. He'll guide you, just like he did the church in Acts, where he said, go to this house, 
there will be a man waiting for you. <laughs> Things like that. So you have to, we, we have to know the Lord. We have to seek the Lord while he may be found, as the scripture says. But when we know him, he's going to take care of us. When we fear the Lord, he's going to be our refuge and our fortress. He's going to be our God in whom we trust. He's going to be our strong tower. But we, it's, all of this that's been happening, it boils down to one thing. It's a call to know the Lord. It's a call to seek his face. It's a call to know his word. And more than knowing what the news says and every latest poll and data point that comes out, I pray that we know the, the word of God like the back of our hand. And, and, you, and your feet will be set upon a rock when you do that. And so now dive into the word more than ever. And your, your future and your family's future will be set upon the rock. And you won't have to look anxiously about you and you will not fear. And so um, I want us to pray and I want to leave you with a, uh, a takeaway point after that. Maybe you want to join me. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your tender mercies, Lord. And I thank you for your loving kindness that, that never ends. Lord, we give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For you are good, Lord, and your love endures forever. We give thanks to you, Lord, for you are good. And your love endures forever, Lord. I, I thank you that there is no wisdom. There is no counsel. And there is no plan that can stand against the Lord. So, Father, I pray that as we seek your face, that you would encounter us with your glory, with your majesty, with your loving kindness, Lord, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, Lord, that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that we may live a life worthy of you, Father, pleasing you in every respect, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God, and being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for the attainment of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to you, Father, who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and the light. And Lord, let our love abound more and more in real knowledge and discernment that we may approve the things that are excellent in order to remain sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Lord, fill us. Pour out your spirit on your church. Pour out your fire, God. And let us be consecrated to you, Lord. Lord, you are the messenger of the covenant, Lord Jesus, in whom we delight. Lord, we, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for dying for us, for shedding your blood for us, for rising again and giving us eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. And I just pray if there's anyone 
that doesn't know the Lord, I ask you right now, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that you would ask him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, meaning you give up control to him. He becomes your king, that you follow him. You become his disciple. You ask him to forgive him, forgive you of your sins and you repent and, and set in your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit to turn away from your sins through his grace and his power to do that. Jesus came to set you free, not to shackle you. The, the world wants you to believe that Jesus is a joy kill and he's come to bound you up with rules and regulations, but he is the warrior of freedom. He came is for Christ that Jesus came to set us free from the shackles of sin and death. So you can be free and be who you were born to be, a child of God. And if you feel like you're alone, if you feel like you're an orphan in this world, I've got good news that Jesus came to bring you back to the Father's house. And so you tell, you tell God, say, God, I feel alone. I feel like I'm an orphan. I do not feel like there's anyone that loves me. You come to Jesus and you will feel the love that you were created for. You will know the love that you were created for, the love of your heavenly Father demonstrated through his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for your sins. So Lord, we thank you for your salvation. Now I pray for those that need to receive you, Lord, that are, that are questioning. Lord, touch them right now with your presence. Thank you, Lord. So, just want to leave you with a, uh, a question to answer that you can continue with family or friends or on your own. And the, uh, the question is, what part of God's nature have you experienced during this pandemic? What part of God's nature have you experienced during this pandemic? So, have you experienced, for instance, His peace, His provision, His love, his faithfulness what what have you experienced during this pandemic what's what's your testimony during this time of who God is for you and uh, and I talk with the Lord about it say God and if you're not sure then you and you ask God say who do you want to be for me during this time and he will show you he speaks to you you're, you're his child his sheep hear his voice my children know my voice even though they can't see me, right? Y'all know if I'm outside, you can hear my voice. Mm -hmm. You know it's dead and not some stranger, right? It's the same for us. 